0: Your home of the pins and the best pins covering. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Break the world. break down
1: the walls. Break. As we begin the 5 o'clock hour of the Mark Madden Show, I'm going to ask two very simple questions, and I think we'll have two very different answers. It's brought to you by Mer- Matt Mertz Plumbing, counting on a name that you can trust. That's Matt Mertz Plumbing, counting on a name you can trust. Question number one, Pit fans. Are you back? Jeff Capel hired as basketball coach. Does that bring you back in the fold? And when I say back, I mean, unlike Bob, yes, actually going again. Will you go to the Pete? Will you support the team again? Will the zoo be back in force? Will there be human beings in the seats that aren't paid to be there to clean up the trash from patrons that aren't there in the first place? I think there should be. I think Pitt fans should be very enthusiastic about this hire. This is as good of a hire as they could have made. Stan said he didn't want to take it that far, just wanted to call it a good hire. No, I'll I'll take it in that exact direction. I wanted Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley would have been a better hire, I think, but this is almost as good. This is as good as you could have gotten given the circumstances. I think some external factors came into play. I think Jeff Capel, everything that I had heard about the coaching search and why John Shire's name was mysteriously dangled out there like right after selection Sunday was that there was a thinking that they would have liked to ask about Jeff Capel but they didn't think they were going to get him And you know, like this Shire kid he's a star on the rise people are talking about him being the next really young hire that's going to make an impact in college basketball ah, Capel's going to stick around and he's going to want too much money and He's waiting to be the coach after Mike Krzyzewski leaves. And maybe the sequence just got out of order. And maybe Jeff Capel did start to become interested when John Shire got so much buzz. Maybe he felt like Shire was the fair-haired boy and felt like he'd be skipped over to replace Mike Krzyzewski whenever Krzyzewski retired. And maybe, just maybe, three point two five dollars 25 to $35 million changed his mind, too, when he heard what kind of numbers were being dangled out there for Danny Hurley. But that's kind of immaterial. The fact is, he's here. And if you had said to me, here are your options for pick coaches Tom Crean, Thad Mata, Jeff Capel, Dan Hurley, I would have gone Hurley one, Capel two, Crean then Mata. Because I just don't think Mata really wants to coach again. So, all that being considered, and those are some of the names they talked to. Like, I, I would want Jeff Capel before Mark Schmidt, I would want Jeff Capel. Before I would want Nate Oates or Porter Moser, even Eric Musselman, who I thought has been a good idea, because I think actually, and based on some of the things we've been seeing on Twitter from some of the players who have threatened to leave Pitt, some might want to come back now. He might be able to retain some of the guys that want to transfer. So, given all that, I say good job by Pitt. I say it's as good as you could have done once Dan Hurley left for UConn. And honestly, if he goes to UConn for somewhere between 2.75 and 3.1 million, And you tried to get him to Pitt for somewhere between 3.25 and 3.5 million. Eh, I could see it. Wanted to stay in New England, bigger program, better reputation. That's really no skin off of Pitt's nose. So, all in all, I think it's a really good hire. Now, some of the reaction on Twitter is kind of funny. Let's dial down the he's the best recruiter in the business, so we're going to have Duke level recruits stuff. He's at Duke. The logo sells itself the uniforms sell themselves you're not going to kentucky come to duke you want to come to duke instead of kentucky come to duke that's pretty much how it goes let's dial down the oh he's a better choice than hurley no he wasn't if i said to you especially with the tenor of the ncaa knowing that capel has some stain from what happened in oklahoma i'll give you a choice between hurley and capel who do you want if i had said that to you on selection sunday you would have said hurley you wouldn't have said capable. So let's not be revisionist about it. It's a good hire. Let's just keep it in logical terminology. 412-333-9939, but Pit fans, are you back? And then the other thing to talk about is the National Football League. Do you have any idea what a legal tackle is? Because I don't. Uh, according to what Bob told me, Adam Schefter just tweeted out in the wake of this Recently shoehorned in targeting rule, and and that's basically what it is. It's a different version of the targeting rule. The NFL doesn't want to call it that because it sounds too collegey, and the targeting rule has a negative connotation to it attached to college football fans. They hate it. But Schefter 15 minutes ago, that hit that Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier delivered to Bengals wide receiver Josh Malone last season would be illegal this season. So, any sort of lowering of the head to initiate contact is going to be illegal. Now, that, as Neil Kulong from Steelers Wire tweeted out a little wire, uh, wire, <laughs> a while ago on Steelers Wire, that would have increased NFL flags about 500%. Kevin Seifert, new NFL rule. It is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. Player may be disqualified. Not targeting per se, but strengthening of a rule on hits with helmet. That corresponding to what we told you last hour, that the NFL is also now allowing officials to buzz down to throw out players for flagged plays, and and that's a little nuance from the way I presented it before that I didn't realize at the time, because there had been talk that they could go back in time and throw somebody out, I guess that's not happening yet, but I think what the NFL has done here, it's just it can't get out of its own way. It's made it so that we've figured out more easily what a catch is. But we've made it twice as hard to figure out what a legal hit is. And I'll go back to what Stan Saverin said last hour. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do to try to take brain trauma out of football. It's never going to disappear. The helmets are too big. The protective gear is too big to protect the players. Now, there might be some consequences with that, that the helmet, yes, occasionally does strike another player. But you're also going to see times where helmet-to-helmet hits occur because you've hit somebody with your shoulder pad in the chest first and the officials are so on guard now to throw the flag, they're flagging players for what they think they see as opposed to what they really saw because it happens so fast. I would rather not know what a catch is and get further clarification of how you can legally tackle anybody anymore. They have gone too far in the name of protection to still have this be football and and this isn't me being a caveman this isn't me being a Creighton. this isn't me saying put skirts on him i'm not throwing the clichés out there it's just too hard to adjudicate you might know better what a catch is and they did a decent job with that not perfect but decent but now you're going to have a more difficult time figuring out what a tackle is or what a legal hit is 412 333 9939 for every play that will no longer be reviewed because we have less consternation over what a catch is, there's now two or three, today alone, two or three different ways where legal tackles and legal hits might be reviewed to see if they're illegal. Think about that. So the catch rule being modified to get replay out of the game a little bit more is now going to be supplemented by more replays over hits that weren't intended to be dirty or illegal, but just happened to be by overly complicated rules that are not going to intentionally that are not going to um, completely take out brain trauma or neck injuries. Anyway, it's gone too far, way too far. Let's go to Zed in Brentwood. Hi, Zed. You're on 105.9 The X.
0: Hey, Tim. How are Hi, you? uh... Oh, I'm great. I uh, I was actually curious to know how it's that big of a difference between two point two with Bobby Hurley versus two point seven. Whenever they spent nine million dollars just to get rid of Kevin Stallings.
1: Wait, what do you mean two point two versus two point seven? I'm sorry, I don't follow.
0: I'm sure I might have got the digits mixed up there, but you told you told the audience here that like uh, in between. What it would take to, for us to get him before this offer versus after the offer, and I'm thinking, why would it make? Oh, a no, 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 no! You nine you missed, million dollars. No, no, hold on, hold on. on. You,
1: you misunderstood what I was saying. I, what I was saying was is that I don't know that you know. I don't know that Jeff Capel would have been interested in the pit job until he heard that Dan Hurley was being offered three point two five million dollars. That's what well, I was I agree saying
0: with that. I agree
2: with that. No, I, I think they had I, really I think they had the money
1: better. to spend because of exactly what you're saying. I mean, they're spending $9 million to buy out a guy, right? Mm-hmm. Way too much. But, well, I mean, if you wanted to get rid of him, you wanted to get rid of him. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to get a better coach in there, you had to get a better coach in there. But... I'm not suggesting that money was an object. I'm saying that the fact that the negotiations became so public with Hurley that might have drawn more eyes, including Capels, to the Pitt job, and he might have been more willing to come here. Now, if you're suggesting maybe they should have gone after him first, well, I think they wanted to go after Hurley first. And, and I think that the allure of becoming Coach K's replacement at Duke was so pronounced that maybe Pitt felt that he was out of their sphere initially. Um, I don't think it was Hurley or Bus. Clearly it wasn't. But I don't know why they spent so much time dilly-dallying in between with guys like Schmidt and Nate Oates and just made them look bad in the interim. Maybe we'll find out more about that as time goes on. i right, got a bunch of people lined up to talk about the uh, NFL stuff. We'll do that. Also, very interesting comment from Mike Tomlin about Le'Veon Bell, too, that I'm going to play for you when we come back. Tim Benz, in for Mark Madden, here on 105.9 The X. Let's make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past.
2: The X at 105.9.
1: Going to hear an interesting clip from Mike Tomlin in just a second about Le'Veon Bell. Bob raises a good point during the commercial break. It's a good thing the Steelers never run the quarterback sneak because I guess now it'd be illegal. Can't lower your head. Tim Benz with you in for Mark Madden. Talking about the NFL rules changes quite a bit. Let's get to uh, Patrick on a car phone in that regard. Hi, Patrick.
0: Hi, Tim. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, Tim, NFL players are bigger, faster, and stronger than ever. So why not make the field bigger? Go to Canadian Football League size. Open it up. You might not have as many of these type of hits, and it might save some players.
1: So you want to make the field wider or longer?
0: Wider and longer.
1: I don't know how longer really affects it. You're just going to make drives longer, uh, wider. I can see what you're saying, except from the standpoint of you're just giving them more space. You're building up more speed for more concussive hits. Don't you think?
0: Well, maybe if you gave the players mouthguards that had sensors in it that could detect if the hits, you know, damaging. You know what I mean? No,
1: I don't. Mouthguards that have sensors in them. What are you talking about?
0: They have my, they have mouthguards with sensors in them that could determine the hit, the heaviness of the hit.
1: So I've got a mouth. Guard. So if I have a mouth guard in my mouth, and it's what going to beep yeah. if it's going to be too fast or, or what? Like, it do can I,
0: read, it read? It can read the impact.
1: Do I feel it in my teeth or do I hear it in my head?
0: Uh, usually, when you get knocked out, you do clench your teeth. Well, no, I get that part, sure, but I, I, <laughs> are you saying it, to me, So you think that's a great idea?
1: I, I, what do you have to, what, what components have, like, do you need, like, a little thing that goes in your ear, like Star Trek, like, do you need something bored into your head that's the other part of the sensor, so what, like, I've not heard of these mouth guards, they set an alarm off, like, you're running too fast, don't hit the guy, how, how does that happen, let's go to, and, yeah, what are you gonna do with the stadiums, by the way, we're gonna tear down all the stadiums and build them over again, how does that work, 412-333-9939. I, I want to know about these magic mouth guards. <laughs> hey, Alexa. Somebody tell my teeth that they're going to get blown up. Tim in Monroeville. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Tim, are you there? Uh, Tim, uh, hello. Tim was there. But when Tim heard the idea about the Magic Mouthguards, he knew I was going to light him up for his suggestion. I should have gone to John Steigerwald on Lawn 1 because he said play without helmets. Like, every now and then you get the Steigerwald argument, which is just play without helmets. Like John Steigerwald right now is yelling at the radio saying, I've been saying all along they should play without helmets. (laughs) But No publicly funded stadiums either. Right, exactly. Just watch the game without your helmet and in your old piece of crap stadium taking away the helmets doesn't solve anything because then if you're... The players aren't going to get smaller. Like, the one point that the last guy made that made sense is the players aren't going to get smaller. So if you're running with what... What, are you going to keep the shoulder pads but lose the helmets? And if then if you lose the shoulder pads and you're just playing with, like, rugby outfits, you're going to get way more broken arms, collarbones, ribs. You'll get concussions of a different variety. People just running into one another without... Full-on hits, even if people are trying to guard themselves, you get accidental concussions. What, what, do the linemen get to wear helmets, but nobody else does? How does that work exactly? That's my favorite. D- take away the helmets. Okay. Josh, calling from Beaver. Josh, what, what's the story with the mouthpiece sensors?
0: Hey, I, I've never heard of these things myself, Tim, but I, I, I do see what he's kind of saying. I don't think there's, like, a device that implants into your head necessarily, but these, uh, these mouthpieces could you know, gather information and engage. whether a hit is too hard or not, is, is I think what he was trying to say. You know, uh, the, uh, you plug it into a computer afterwards, like after the player gets hit.
1: But know? do we really need that for people to know that football is dangerous and you get hit hard? No, I, no, I,
0: I just think this whole thing's ridiculous. I, you know, football is a dangerous sport, and when you sign up for it, you should know the, the consequences.
1: Yeah, and I think this is... Beyond the pale when it comes to protecting themselves from future lawsuits. I mean, haven't they done enough? No, haven't we done enough to show coming. that we're paying attention to it? Now, the, the ironic part is while they're doing all this to affect the game, they still within the last couple of years were trying to hide their payouts and dance around paying out what they should have paid out in the first place. Like, that's the real sin to all this is here we are. We keep impacting the game negatively by taking away the physical contact to make it look like they're paying lip service to concussions and brain trauma, but they were still so scared to pay out what they should have paid out in the first place. Like, that's the galling part to me, above and beyond anything else. 412-333-9939. One more before we get to Jerry DePaula on Pitt. Hi, go ahead. Keats, you're on from Harrison City.
0: Hey, I think they should just get rid of the reviews in general, the challenges. Let the referees make the calls and let them determine the outcome.
1: Okay, but that still, that I don't know if that's a good thing, Keats, because we've seen in a lot of cases in recent years that the refs have so much pressure on them to make these calls all the time that sometimes they're calling things that aren't accurate. If the refs are spooked into thinking everything is a headshot, then maybe players are getting thrown out that shouldn't be getting thrown out or penalized when they shouldn't be penalized because the refs feel the onus to do it in the first place. You follow? Yeah, I understand. Like, you know, especially if they're augmenting the penalty for it taking place, meaning ejection, you could have a really good player get ejected in the Super Bowl because a ref thinks he sees something that he doesn't. And therein lies the dilemma. <laughs> Bob, on a car, on the Steigerwald no-helmet defense. Go ahead, Bob. Bob, you're be on.
0: facetious about
1: it. Yes, I am. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. I think you're trying to be facetious about it, saying where does it end? Take away the helmets, then you got to take away
1: the shorts. No, 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 no. Steigerwald has forever said you got to take away this, the helmets. Play without helmets. He's a big play without helmets guy. He always has been. You know, and I don't think it's like facetious in his representation. I think it's like he feels like if you're going to have rules, then one of the rules should be take away the helmets, then it takes care of itself. Yeah, but then people's noses explode. You know, and you're going to get temple to temple hits, and you're going to get cranium injuries and you're going to get scalp lacerations and crap like that there's just there's no way around it if you want to have to tackle football there just isn't and we need to grow up and admit that Jerry on next on the pit hire that's next all right let's talk about a current challenge that's Le'Veon Bell he's got the franchise tag do you want him long term on the Pittsburgh Steelers
2: yeah, I do. yeah. the X at
1: 105.9 you ever almost swallowed a whole cough drop it's interesting. Your whole life flashes before your eyes. But you get a little high in the process, so it's kind of fun. <clears throat> Tim Benzin for Mark Madden. Mark will join us tomorrow at 3.15. We'll talk about the new coaching hire at the University of Pittsburgh and the new NFL rules as well. So it'll be a lot like today's show. One thing we didn't get to yet. Listen to this comment from Mike Tomlin to Jody, Judy Batista of the NFL Network. It involves Le'Veon Bell. Take a listen. All right, let's talk about a current challenge. That's Le'Veon Bell. He's got the franchise tag. Do you want him long-term
2: on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I do, and I think we all do. I think we've been pretty, you know, pretty consistent in that messaging. Um, but it's it's yet to produce a long-term deal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's with us, and um, obviously um, he's a valued member of our group. We're excited that he's with us. He's made it clear that if there is no long-term deal before training camp starts, he won't be at training camp. He's not gonna do all of the off-season activities too. How important is it to you to have him there
0: for camp at least?
2: Um, you know I unless he says that to me directly or we're dealing with that directly, I'm just it's a waste of my time to get into the hypotheticals. Um, he'll have a training camp date like all his other teammates. there'll be an expectation in terms of him being present and accounted for and us all starting this journey together. Um, you know he and I had a good conversation the other day. Um, he's going down to Miami to start his training the process that he normally goes through. Um, I expect him to be in great shape and be ready to go.
1: All right, I'm listening to that from Mike Tomlin. I'm thinking to myself, Mike Tomlin's not naive, is he? Or is he just arrogant in the sense that unless it's said to him, it means nothing? Or is he just flat out stonewalling and he just wants to look tough? I don't know which of those three possibilities is right. I just know he doesn't completely believe it. He can't. Why would this year be any different, and why is he conning himself into thinking, apparently, that Le'Veon Bell will be at training camp? Or is that sort of like a dare, like, Le'Veon, you got to tell me before I believe it. I I don't think it matters. Lev is just going to stay away if he wants to. Anyway, we'll talk more about Tomlin tomorrow and the state of the Steelers and the running backs. We'll do that as well. The Hockey Night show is next, though. Got to get this story from Ken Cowell you was on with us earlier. you got to hear this week. come back here on 105.9 The X. It's The X at 105.9 Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden, brought to you by Shendorovic, Shendorovic, and Fishman, on your home for the best pens coverage and the best hockey talk. 105.9 The X. Shenderovich, Shendorovic, and Fishman giving you the Hockey Night Show. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden tonight. Uh, one thing we should point out before pens and wings This evening, Mike Lane, by the way, will join us in just a little bit to talk about the Penguins in general. But I think a big game here for the Penguins, not because of the opponent, the wings stink 112 and 1 in their last 14 games. It's just the need to get a good road win. Like blow the doors off a bad team, win this game four to one, put it in your back pocket after 40 minutes, and then just play good, solid, sound fundamental defense and get away with a victory because you're gonna have to do that from time to time in the playoffs. Make it easy on yourself. Uh, Earlier in the show, we talked to Ken Cal about the state of the Red Wings, and it's bad, as evidenced by their record. I think, what, 65 points thus far? Boy, there's a lot of bad teams in the Atlantic. A lot of bad teams in the Atlantic. So it's been a rough year for him to call games, but nowhere near as rough as it was to call Game 6 of the 2008 Cup Final here at Old Mellon Arena. Ken Cal, the play-by-play voice of the Red Wings, as we alluded to in our conversation came down with laryngitis the day of the game and it started at the end of the triple overtime game you remember the game you know uh Ryan Malone blocks the shot with his face and Marc-André Fleury makes all the saves Socorro wins it Talbot comes on as the extra skater to force the triple overtime and his voice started to go and then he tells the story of what happened as he tried to ready himself for what would be a decisive game 6 between the Wings and the Pens in 08 the
0: 2008 Stanley Cup Finals game 6 at Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh. And wouldn't you know it, I come up with laryngitis. I walked to the rink, and it was about eight blocks away, and there was a Catholic church. I remember walking up the stairs to the Catholic church. I knelt down, and I'm kind of whispering, and I said, look, I know you don't see me in here as much as you'd like, but if there's any way that maybe a silver lining can come out of this, you know, at least show me the way. Ken Daniels uh, was called in from Detroit when they knew I couldn't go and, and do the game. 45 seconds left. I think there was a face-off and Ken took his headset off and I was standing next to Paul behind him and he says, hey, you're doing the last 15 seconds. And I look at him and I go, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. I can't talk. He says, yes, you are. He says, put your headset on, suck it up and do it. All right. Put the headset on and he throws it over to me and I had enough voice left just to call the final 15 seconds. 15 seconds to go. Gatsu tripped, And Ken Cal bring us home for the Stanley Cup with 10 seconds left. Gonchar flips it over the line. Litchra fires it out the center ice. Five seconds to go. Gonchar Malkin over the Detroit line, pushes it forward. Backhand for oh, the save. And the rebound flip right through the goal ball. Time will run out. And the Detroit Red Wings are the 2008 Stanley Cup champions.
1: Now here's the question that I have. What happens if, like, Hosa or Malkin or somebody bangs in that puck as it's flopping around near Osgood, it goes in the net, and then they go overtime? Now, I asked Ken about that. He said, well, I just would have given the headset back. Yeah, but then it's all his fault. So, like, what, he comes on, he takes the microphone, and he calls the game-tying goal of game six. And then what happens if the Penguins go on and win game six in overtime? And then what happens if the Penguins go on and win Game 7 in Detroit? It's all King Kyle's fault. I couldn't have handled that kind of pressure as a play-by-play guy. Mike Lankuda. He's up next as we continue in the Hockey Night Show here on 105.9 The X.